Welcome to the Vol Bros. My name is Evan. This is my brother Rustin, and we are two Vol Bros who are actually bros in real life. And you just got to witness the debut of our new baseball intro. That was pretty cool. Momentous occasion to start off the Vol Bros episode here. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, it's only a day away. The baseballs to have a series starting at number one ranked LSU. Uh, Rustin, who do you think is going to be the X factor this weekend for the Vols? Really, I think it comes down to two things. Starting pitching has to be more successful early in the game than they have been recently. And then the bullpen's got to come up big. I, I love what Coach Vitello did this past weekend where he showed he has no issue running out nine guys in one game. Um, if he has to play percentages and play righty-righty, lefty-lefty, um, he has no issue. There was one inning this past weekend against A&M where he threw three different guys against three different hitters. Um, I love the fact that he's embracing. He honestly kind of learned from Saturday. He left Chase Burns out there too long, and it it burned him a little bit, and luckily they came back. But um, he he probably left Chase Burns out there three hitters too long. And he learned from that on Sunday. He pulled Drew Beam early. Drew didn't like it, but the bullpen absolutely shut A&M down after that. So it it was interesting to watch that dynamic and watch Coach Vitello realize that he he has an incredible bullpen and he needs to use it. So I think so. I switched cameras because my other one froze, like a re- replay of last time. <laughs> I'll switch it back and see if it's working now. Nope, it's not. Oh, there it goes. How about that? All right, so I'm back now. Um, I would say the X factor is Charlie Taylor. And, or I'll say this, or whoever they put behind the plate. Whoever they put behind the plate has to be solid defensively, but also has to be able to hit the ball. Uh, they are not going to go down there and and win this series if they don't have nine hitters in the lineup who can be a threat at the plate um you know when charlie taylor's back there it's obviously a defensive plus when jared dickey's back there it's a offensive plus but then you're sacrificing defense um and that's no knock on jared dickey he's he's been an outfielder you know his whole career so it's a it's a tough situation to be in no doubt um they have to have nine hitters that are that are a th- legitimate threat in the lineup, though. Otherwise, you can pitch around people that you know aren't going to hit the ball, so and attack them. You know, <clears throat> so I think they got to have like, somebody behind the plate who is a legitimate offensive threat. Well, and add into that the third catcher, Cal Stark, who you know has been swinging the bat better than Charlie Taylor. He's probably not as good at defensively as Charlie, but I think this game is going to come more down to who can out who can outscore the other team because runs are going to be at a premium. If um, yeah. if our three starting pitchers throw the way they're capable of first innings, this could easily be three straight two to one, three to two, four to three type games where pitching's just dominant and every little run matters. Um, absolutely offensively they're both very similar when you look at their overall team stats they're almost identical so you know it's really going to come down to which pitching staff shows up the the strongest and and gets outs 
Um, the one thing that's interesting about Cal Stark, he's a dead fastball hitter. And LSU has a lot of power pitchers. So you have to think he's going to be in the lineup somewhere. What's going to be really interesting is, and this is, a, I think this was somewhat Coach Vitello playing with numbers and trying to figure out what chemistry works. But I think it was also somewhat gamesmanship. This past weekend against um, A&M, they ran out three totally different lineups and, um, you know, showed A&M a lot of variations that, I mean, showed LSU a lot of variations against A&M that LSU is going to have to try and figure out, okay, what was that lineup about? What were they trying to achieve? Um, It makes it harder to scout. You know, you go from on Sunday, Zane Denton hits nine hole against A&M. And then Tuesday against um, UNC Asheville, he's hitting cleanup. So, you know, they've got a lot to prepare for and don't really know what they're going to see. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's a really good point. Um, I'm going to switch my camera back to the other one again. I think you need to stay on the other one. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. I'll just leave it here. It's like uh, off-centered doing that one-thirds look in photography. That's what I'm going for here. All right. It's an aesthetic. It's a great shot of my microphone, though. Mm -hmm. Um, Braden Morgan's joined us. He said he's the first one here. There you go, Braden. Good job, buddy. Um, When we think about the the last week of Tennessee athletics. um, Oh, I was looking at my camera up there again, but it's not now. It's not here. (laughs) Um, When we think about the last week of Tennessee athletics, Man, oh man, a lot has happened. They swept Texas A&M, as Rustin mentioned. Uh, they swept Texas A&M. Lady Vols basketball and men's basketball both exit the NCAA tournament in the Sweet 16. But that loss to Florida Atlantic sure looks different now, doesn't it? I mean, that's a Final Four team. The weirdest Final it's Four ever. At 100%, yes. I actually... Um, googled the lowest seeded final four ever and it was in 2014 because 11 seed vcu made it to the final four that year yep and so they um that's why it was the lowest seeded final four ever um also uh yesterday unc Asheville. The baseballs take care of them. The lady balls continue tearing it up as well in, in softball. I think at the 27 and two now, isn't that right? Yep. Not bad. That's pretty good. Well, especially um, when the when the two were a very close game early in the season to a top five opponent. And, you know, they lost the middle game against Alabama in a tight game they had a chance to win. So they could easily be 28 and one right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean they're they're really really good. Uh, that's an understatement. Um, very impressive by Karen Weekly and the Lady Vols. Uh, tomorrow not only is it the start of the LSU series uh, with the baseball team, it is also uh, the pro day at Tennessee. And so you've got man talk about there. There are some folks who really really need uh, this to be a, a productive day for them. Darnell Wright is not one of them. Uh, he has solidified himself as a first-round draft pick. Uh, Jalen Hyatt probably is a first-round draft pick. 
But if he has a good showing tomorrow, that'll certainly make sure he's a first-round draft pick. Um, Hendon Hooker. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do. I mean, he's probably not – he might throw from a knee or something, but, I mean, he's not going to be out there on his feet throwing for sure. But his interview skills and stuff like that are certainly going to help him. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum, I believe, is his name. Yes. From ESPN projected him number five overall. Uh, one spot behind Will Levis, which still blows my mind. Um, but number five overall to the Seahawks in his mock draft. Uh, what else is going on up there in Knoxville? Um, next Saturday is the orange and white game at 2.30 p.m. Um, but one thing we wanted to do as we prepare for the baseballs series with LSU is we're going to rank their uniforms. Um, we need Chad Fields on here to tell us what he thinks too, but uh, I'm going to see if I can get him to come on a show for near football season to let, talk about some football uniforms. Um, what we did, Rustin and I ranked uh, the, the, the uniforms for Tennessee. Uh, some of the ones that we, 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 all the different combinations we can think of, obviously the, the Sunday creams uh, that was on the list, the dark mode with the, the black cap, uh, black jersey and or- and white pants, the orange, orange, white look with an orange hat, uh, orange jersey and white pants, uh, the all grays, the all smoky grays. We're going to rank those as well. They're going to be in there. Primary road uniform right there. The all whites with the orange cap, the typical f- uh, Friday home look and the pinstripes, which we saw against UNC Asheville last night. And, uh, and so those are all in there. Uh, so Rustin, you go first. Tell us your <laughs> rankings of Tennessee's uniforms. Do you want me to go first to last or last to first? Let's go first to last. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So I love the Sunday creams. I think it's honestly, I think it's the best looking uniform, maybe in all of college baseball. Um, Ole Miss's Columbia blue uniform is pretty close, but um, the all, the all Sunday cream I love. Um, I would love it even more if they were able to come out with a retro cream hat to go with it. That would be just unbelievable seller. Um, Next for me is the orange cap, the orange jersey, and the white pant. Um, love the contrast. Just love the way it looks. Um, like the orange jersey because it's a it's a stereotypical, traditional um, alter, alternate jersey. Um, and I'll come back to that in a second. I really like the orange hat with the pinstripe uniforms. Um, I didn't used to like the pinstripe uniforms when they were Adidas. They, they looked weird. The pinstripes were way too big. Um, but since they switched to Nike, Nike's pinstripe uniform looks really good. Um, after that, I've got the black hat, the black Jersey and the white pant. I just really love that look. Um, I'm ready for alumni hall or the UT vol shop or someone to get the black Nike hat in stock and actually keep it in stock. That would be wonderful. <laughs> um, I have with yet puff embroidery. Yes. With, with puff embroidery, not a flat embroidered UT on the front. Um, I have yet to be able to order one of those because every time I try, they're always sold out. Um, 
so this is where my my top seven kind of will maybe anger some people so i could have put number five number six and number seven all as number seven (laughs) um (laughs) i i don't like tennessee's white jersey at all um i did so when i was growing up when i was playing in high school when i was playing in college um two button placket jerseys were what you reserve for summer ball because it was cheap and it blows my mind that tennessee's primary home jersey is a two button placket jersey and it would be different if if nike just didn't make full button down uniforms but their pinstripe is a full button down so we know they do and and i just do <laughs> Sunday not creams are buttoned down right and so i just have no i have no earthly idea why the friday night jersey the one that you're probably wearing on tv more than any other is the cheapest jersey you can possibly buy i, I just don't get that and and i don't really like it to be honest um, when i was a player i used to hate when we had to wear the two button placket it was i mean you just didn't you didn't feel like you didn't feel like you look good. I mean, it's really what it came down to. So number six, good, and number, feel good, play good, baby. <laughs> right. So number six and number seven are kind of along the same lines. Um, number six is the gray, orange, gray. And the only reason it's above number seven is because of the orange Jersey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because in my opinion, and this is what's going to be really unpopular I think our smoky gray uniforms are absolutely disgusting. I, I don't like <laughs> them at all. I don't like that shade of gray in a baseball uniform. It looks weird and dingy. Um, I especially don't like that the jersey, again, is a two-button placket. Um, and, and that's the only reason why the gray-orange gray got slightly higher than the gray-gray-gray, because at least the orange, <laughs> the orange is an alternate jersey, so at least it should look a little different. Um, but I would be totally fine if we decided to just scrap the smoky gray uniforms altogether and went to a more traditional gray uniform and put the, the script balls on it, like the creams. Um, I would, I would be totally good with that move, especially if it's a full button down normal uniform and not a cheap two placket Jersey. That script vols is a game changer. That's, yeah. That looks good. I mean, it looks good. So my rankings, I too went with the Sunday creams as numero uno. Just, they look good, man. Like that is a good looking baseball uniform right there. I love kind of the retro vibe they got going. Uh, the vol script is perfect. I mean, I, I love that script. So that was my number one. The, Orange hat, orange jersey, white pant was also Rustin's number. So we had the same top two. Um, I love that too. Once again, you got the Vol script. I'm telling you, something about that script. It looks really good. And uh, and so that was some of it. I think some of it is the fact when you look at that picture, look at how well Evo Shield made the helmets match the uniforms. You know, sometimes, sometimes when you have multiple vendors working, you know, because all yeah. their uniforms, all their uniforms are Nike, but all of their exterior gear is Evo Shield. So anytime you've got, you know, the 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 ankle guard or the elbow guard or the helmet, 
Um, Evo Shield did a really good job matching the uniforms. Yeah, I totally agree. They look really good. I mean, like, that's just sharp right there. That is a sharp-looking uniform. Yep. So those are my top two, the creams and the orange, orange, white. So here's where Rustin and I differ on uh, our, <laughs> our appreciation for the grays. So I'm going to add a caveat in here. Like, here's the all gray. I'm going to say I like the all grays at night because at night the orange looks different than it does in the daylight and it looks really sharp at night. So that's my caveat there when it's a night game and they're in the all grays, it looks good. Uh, then I would say the orange, white, white, just because it's like a, a clean look. I'm not a fan of the straight across script on the, it goes from like armpit to armpit. I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, but I do like the, the clean look there. And then uh, after that, we got the pinstripes. And I think I have a photo of that. Yep. So the pinstripes looking sharp, uh, classic look, you know, not as good as the others, but classic look. Uh, and then I'm not a huge fan of the dark modes. I mean, they're okay, I guess. Um, I guess one of the things that I don't like about it is the juxtaposition of classic Vol logo and new Vols word mark. So you got the classic UT on the hat and then the, the new Vols word mark on across the, the chest on the Jersey. I don't know. I, I just, like a feng shui thing going on there in the uniform, I guess. <laughs> I've never, I've never really liked the Vol script on the black jersey. I think it's probably. I just like the juxtaposition of the black on white, and I love yeah. the hat. It would probably look. It yeah. would probably look really good if they would take that interlocked UT and put it on the left chest. Oh, like, there you now you're cooking. Like the T is on the uh, on the pinstripes. Um. You know, if they if they did something like that with the dark mode and had the black hat with the black jersey and put the interlocking UT on the left chest like that one is, that dark mode uniform would probably look really good. Yeah, I'm all on board on that. Uh, that I'm all for that. Yeah, I can totally see what you're saying and have like an orange number on the bottom left and the, yep. the or the I guess it'd be actually the bottom right if you're wearing it, and then the the interlocking UT on the left chest. Yeah, now that would look sharp. I'm all mm -hmm. about that. That would look good. And then my bottom one was gray, orange, gray. Now, what's interesting is they threw a curveball at us this year, and they wore orange, orange, gray one one night instead of gray, orange, gray. But I think the thing, I don't know. It just it it looks mismatched in my opinion because you got white script on the orange jersey with gray pants. Yeah, and I'm like that don't match. <laughs> I think one other reason I don't like the smoky grays. Have you ever noticed the orange bill on the hats on the gray hats? Somehow Nike messed up and didn't match their own orange because that's a Nike hat, but the orange on it doesn't match the orange on any other part of their uniforms. Yeah, that's a big mistake. You got to have that Pantone 151C. Or if everybody wants to know the hex code, it's FF8200. That's the <laughs> hex code for uh, that's what the color you see in our background right now, actually. Uh, so that's our rankings for the the Vols uniforms. We'd love to hear y'all's rankings in the comments when if you're watching this. I'm actually probably going to cut that out as its own standalone video and make it uh, a standalone video on here. Um, but that that's our rankings of the uniforms. I think 
we're totally in agreement and probably everybody who's watching this, the creams are the best. I mean, they are top dog. And then that orange, orange, white is a very close second because that is a sharp looking uniform too. Um, what do you, what do you expect to see as we, uh, as we close out here thinking about the LSU series, what do you expect to see? I hope the team that showed up Sunday for A&M shows up for all three games. Um, you know, you're not going to hit a lot of home runs in, in Baton Rouge. It's not a home run stadium. Um, we've actually hit more home runs this year than LSU has. Um, their team batting average though is about 50 points higher than ours. And so, you know, we, we've got to show up because they're going to put together hits. That's just what they do. Um, and they've got a bunch of guys in their lineup that are, you know, line drive hitters who are going to hit a lot of doubles and they're going to put together continuous hits and we can't live for the long ball. We we've got to do the same thing we did Sunday against A&M and just consistently put together hit after hit after hit. Um, because again, they're probably going to be three pretty low scoring games. If, if both pitching staffs do what they should, um, you know, this is a weird weekend. We're one of the early series this week. So we're Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, you know, so that's a little different. We haven't done that in a long time and Thursday night and Thursday night is the skeins kid. And just, just so everybody kind of prepares themselves. If they haven't seen him throw yet this year, he is currently five and oh, um, he has a 0.72 ERA. Decent. <laughs> this is this is probably the scariest part. In those five wins, he has allowed fourteen hits, and he has struck out seventy-one batters. It's uh, not bad. <laughs> so, for those of you who couldn't do any quick math there. He's averaging 14 strikeouts a game, and he's only allowing slightly less than three hits a game. A lot of that's people... A, that's first-round stuff. Oh, more than that. A lot of people think in the upcoming June draft, he and Ch- Chase Dolander will be one and two. They will be the yeah. first two picks in the draft. So, you know, from a from a skill and talent perspective, Thursday night, everybody may be getting to watch the literal first and second pick in the draft pitch against each other. Um, you think there'll be any eyes on that game for major leagues teams and scouts? <laughs> I think it was Steven shock jokingly put down. They're going to have to add extra seats at, at LSU for all the scouts that will be there Thursday night. Yep. Um, so the problem is Friday, it doesn't get much easier Friday. They'll throw Ty Floyd. He's 4-0 right now, and his ERA is like 1.1 something. Um, The one guy that – so right now, the one thing we do have going for us, their third starter is kind of up in the air. Um, They haven't had anybody really step forward and and take that role. And, um, you know, they didn't sweep last weekend. They won two out of three, and the one they lost was the Sunday game. And it was because their starter got knocked off the mound in the third round or third inning. So, um, you know, they're, they're a little susceptible in that third game. So if Drew Beam comes out and it's just lights out, we can, 
probably get a win there. So really it comes down to Chase Dolander and Chase Burns, which one could potentially get us a second win. You're not going to sweep LSU. It's not going to happen. Um, but if we can go down there, I mean, honestly, I hate to say this, but if we can get one out of three, that's a good weekend. If we can get two out of three, we're a national championship contender. Um, because this is one of the deepest, most talented LSU teams you're going to see in a long time. Well, and there's a reason why they're number one, you know, I mean, yeah. that, that that's not an accident. There's a reason. And, um, I think that the most interesting thing to watch this weekend will be how Chase Dolander in particular responds to, you know, two outings ago was not great. Obviously last outing after the first inning, he turns the corner and and really has a great outing. And so now he's going down. He knows he's not dumb. He knows every major league scout is going to be watching that game. Mm Hmm. So you you want to make some money? You want to make a name for yourself? This is the time to do it. And so I think that, you know, it's it's very analogous to when the basketball team played Duke in the Sweet 16. They entered that game with a different mentality than we had ever seen that team come out and play with. I would not be shocked if that's the same kind of mentality we see Chase Dolander approach the mound with. Uh even Burns, I mean, like, I mean, he knows, he knows too. You know, this, this is a, this is money games for them. If they want to make their name, this is when you do it. You got to to be the best. You got to beat the best, right? So, uh, it will be very interesting to see how they approach the game, uh, with what kind of mentality they approach the game, and how they respond. And so, I think that'll be probably the most fascinating part to watch. But I mean, the bottom line is Tennessee has to be able to hit the ball if they want to win, and. and- and and I hope they don't allow ego to get in the way. Um, the best player in America, and it's not close, is in the other dugout. And I would be totally fine if Dylan Cruz in three games this weekend, and people are going to say this is crazy when I say it, but I was a former pitcher, and this would be my mentality facing him. I would be totally fine if in those three games he went 0 for 0 with 12 walks. <laughs> Dead yeah. serious. Make make somebody else beat you, right? Anybody yeah. else. Pitch you know, around him. For those who don't follow college baseball, and maybe you only follow Tennessee, think about the season Blake Burke is having and then increase the batting average 200 points. And you've got Dylan Cruz. That's unreal, man. It's unreal. The man, the man is currently hitting 542 with nine home runs in division one college baseball against division one pitchers. Uh-huh. That's crazy. That's to put really that in, To put that in perspective, Blake Burke is hitting 339. So he's actually 200 and 203. No, Blake's 337. So he's 205 points higher than Blake Burke right now. Mm. So, they got their work cut out for them, that's for sure. <laughs> so, like uh, I say, make anybody else beat you. You know, do sure. not let Dylan Cruz take a swing on anything. Right. And who, and who knows if you pitch around him enough on Thursday and Friday, maybe on Saturday he gets yeah he gets frustrated and he starts taking crazy swings and gets himself yep. out. 
Yep. Um, but worst case scenario, put him on every stinking time and make somebody else do something. Yeah, totally understand. Um, well, time is going to tell us everything we need to know starting tomorrow night. Um, I'm not sure what time the actual first pitch is. Do you happen to know tomorrow night what time it starts? I think it's an eight o'clock game. Um, oh, that stinks. Saturday, Saturday's. Oh, you're right. You're right. It is an eight o'clock because I looked that up because I was thinking maybe we would go live tomorrow night and I was like, oh, not at 11 o'clock. So, yes. Yeah, it's an eight o'clock start. Thursday's at eight o'clock on ESPNU. Um, Friday is. Friday is seven o'clock, and it's the it's the primetime game on SEC Network. And then um, Saturday is a two o'clock game, and it's on SEC Network Plus. So good luck with that. So here's the deal. I mean, that right there shows just. I mean, people know how high profile of a matchup this is. Yeah. That you've got national two nationally televised games in the series. I mean, that's that's a big deal, and so uh, people know. And um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the Vols respond. Um, like I said, they gotta they gotta have consistent hitting one through nine. They cannot rely on one through seven. They gotta have one through nine. So, I think one they... thing that's I think one thing that's been really interesting recently, and if anybody follows Tony Vitello's interviews and press conferences, after the Missouri game, he was asked about leadership, and um or after the Missouri series where they got swept in freezing temperatures. Um, he was asked about leadership and he said, you know, it's a relatively new group to each other. And, and he kind of hinted that there were guys in the dugout who needed to lead and weren't. And the ones who were trying to didn't know how. And he said, we have a bunch of guys in the dugout right now that are screaming at each other because they care, but they don't understand how to lead. And then shortly after that, Hunter Inslee and Christian Scott started showing up in the lineup every single day. And about a week and a half ago, Hunter Inslee had a game where he went, I think, three for four, had a good day. And after the game, somebody asked Coach Vitello why Hunter Inslee was in the lineup every day. And he said, you know, we go to practice every day, and Coach Anderson and I, which is interesting, Frank Anderson, the pitching coach, is the one who made this comment. He said, Coach Anderson and I were talking about it, and Coach Anderson said, you know, that kid grew up in Tennessee. He's always wanted to be a Vol. And I don't know that anybody shows up every day and wants it worse than he does. Hmm. And that's a redshirt sophomore. So he's technically a third year guy. He's been around the program. And Tony kind of hinted that they were really wanting him to step up and become the leader of the team, which is really interesting. Um, then after the A&M series, he made a similar comment about Christian Scott. So, you know, two guys that I think if you walked into the season preseason and you took a poll, who do you think are going to be the leaders of this team? I doubt many people would have said Hunter Inslee and Christian Scott. Nope. Nobody. But internally, but internally, that's who Tony Vitello is looking to to lead this group. Um, and Christian Scott's been responding recently. Like he's playing really, really well. Um so it's been interesting to watch that dynamic. 
Um, for those of you who, who maybe haven't played baseball at a high level and you're listening to this and you're like, well, what about Chase Dolander? What about Chase Burns? What about Drew Beam? They're the superstars. Why aren't they leading? There's a dynamic in college baseball, and I can speak to this because I played, that's really odd and it's probably different than any other sport. Pitchers don't lead teams. And, and the reason is when you go to practice in college baseball, there are times when the pitchers and, and position players are completely separate and the pitchers all have their own individual throwing programs and they're doing their own thing. And they may not even see the hitters during practice some days. And, and just to be kind of blunt, the hitters kind of have this unwritten code where they kind of feel like they actually work harder than the pitchers do because they practice every day in their, in their minds, they practice every day. It's the, like the punters and kickers in football, <laughs> right? It's same mentality. And, um, and so there's kind of this unwritten rule in college baseball that everybody pitchers included all kind of understand that they defer to the position players to be the leaders. Um, because they're the ones who are, you know, working harder air quotes every day in practice, you know, they don't have off days, whereas pitchers can sometimes have off days for recovery. Um, so, you know, for those who maybe don't understand that dynamic and they're like, well, Chase Dolander is a first rounder. Chase Burns is a first rounder. Camden Sewell's been, you know, in that pitching staff for 17 years. Why isn't he the leader? <laughs> it's, it's just different. Um, the position players will not listen to them. It is extremely rare for a pitcher to be a leader. And this actually extends into pro baseball. You won't see many clubhouse leaders in pro baseball that are pitchers um, because they just, they're viewed differently. Um, when you do get the rare moment when a, when a clubhouse is led by a pitcher, this happened a little bit with the Braves with Tom Glavin. Um, it is a transcendent leader because they've got to overcome a lot with the position players to be viewed in that way. Well, so if it, hey, if it's Ensley and Christian Scott, then I hope that they continue to tear it up and keep giving people reasons to look to them. It's going to be interesting to watch that play out over the rest of the season, you know, because the one that I keep looking at is what's Griffin Merritt's deal. Yeah. He's a fifth year senior. He yeah. was the American athletic conference player of the year last year. And, and he's, I mean, he's playing pretty well. Uh, I wouldn't say he's tearing the cover off the ball, but he's been consistent, but he definitely hasn't stepped to the forefront and led. He's kind of yeah. just doing whatever from day to day bouncing around from position to position, filling whatever role they need him to fill. Um, but I don't see him as a very active participant in, in trying to lead this bunch. Yeah, it's a good point. Well, potentially a whole lot's going to be revealed over the next three days. So, uh, like we said, volunteers traveling to LSU to play three game series at Baton Rouge, uh, number one team in the country against number 10 team in the country. It's going to be a powerhouse matchup. It's going to be a great, great series. Uh, talk about pitching duels. That's what we're about to see. Uh, that's what we're about to see. I hope that's what we're about to see for Tennessee's mm -hmm. sake. 
Um, so we yeah. hope everybody has if not. It's going to be a really long weekend. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's exactly right. We appreciate everybody joining us. And then those who have been watching along, we got folks on uh, Facebook and YouTube who have been watching. Uh, hey, keep uh, keep sharing the Volbros with your buddies. Text a buddy, man. That's how we can grow this thing. We appreciate it so much if you do that. Uh, be looking for videos tomorrow and uh, Friday from us. We uh, Tomorrow we'll have our tight ends position preview video released. Friday I'm going to probably do our, our rankings of the baseball uniforms. We'll release that video. And then we'll be going alive again either Saturday or Sunday. So uh, stay tuned with us. Uh, we love doing this. Uh, for all the people who are watching right now, like I said, we got folks on Facebook and YouTube watching right now. So uh, thank you all so much for watching. Uh, let everybody know about us. Uh, text a buddy, and we appreciate it. We hope everybody has a great, great weekend. Go Vols! Big series coming up tomorrow. Big, big series. And we look forward to talking with everybody at the conclusion of that series. And hopefully we'll be saying, man, Tennessee's won the series. If they sweep it, we all are need to go buy lottery tickets. But yeah. um, <laughs> if, if they sweep it, we're, we're having a very different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but at the very minimum, hopefully we're talking about a series win uh, next time we're alive with you. So hope everybody has a great evening. Go Vols, baby. We'll see you soon.